are listening to the Novel Universe Podcast, a monthly YLA podcast hosted by Dawn Abron and Elise Martinez, YA librarians from the Chicagoland area. Each episode features reviews and rants on new and upcoming YA books. We're here to help you navigate your TBR pile. What's good, what's bad, and everything in between. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Elise, the rejecter of romance. So turn up the volume. Here we go. Today we are starting our read-along with the universe, and we are reading The Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, and we are discussing chapters, the prologue, through chapter five. Yeah. <laughs> this book is intense. Yeah, it is. It's very dense. It's intense and dense. That's a good, yeah. Dense and intense. Yes. I like it so far. I do too. Um, full disclosure, at the time of recording, Dawn has finished the book, and I, Elise, have not. So I'm literally reading along with the universe. Ha ha, let me throw that pun in there. (laughs) Um, So for me, this is a discover it as it happens situation, which I'm into. All right. Well, I read it in June. Mm -hmm. It is now November. Mm -hmm. I I remember the big stuff, but there's a lot of little stuff I missed just because I was just trying to get through it because it's a big book. Mm -hmm. So I'm discovering new stuff. So yeah, anyway. All right. So we're just going to break it down by characters and the writing and all that stuff this book okay this book was hard to dissect mm-hmm. um if you listen to our previous read along with the universe that one was a far more straightforward plot far more straightforward themes i use that word what's the very phrase? lightly I don't thank know. you i use that phrase <laughs> lightly because there was not a lot of content there but with lee bardugo's book this one you know we've got a somewhat non-linear plot we have hella character information. We have hella world building. You know, it is it is typical Lee Bardugo, and that'll segue us into our first topic, which we kind of wanted to just, like, discuss the difference in her writing, and by writing we mean how she's sharing the plot with the reader and sharing character details with the reader. And you were mentioning that people are being critical of this book because it's, like, different? Am yeah. I right in that? Yeah. Okay. Of course it is. First of all, this is technically an adult fiction novel. So, to me, this shows a lot of skill. That she can jump from something like Six of Crows or King of Scars into a book that is written in a different genre, obviously. So this is realistic, paranormal, realistic fiction. Um, And she really leans into that, like, adult fiction convention of, like, navel-gazing. So really taking the time to explore the shit out of a character and, like, give you all the little details like them liking this particular food and things that in a YA novel might bury, yeah. bury a good plot. But in an adult novel, you know, those little soliloquies in someone's mind or about their lives really expands the plot, expands the character. And to see her do that so well has been very interesting. I have no critique so far. Like, no criticism yeah. negatively. No. Um, because I know... Likely, I've read everything by her, so I know that everything she writes mm-hmm. has a reason, and so you do have to pay attention to everything. You can't skim, um, and because of that, there's a lot yeah. to try to keep track of. But that's how writing should be. It shouldn't be all fluff. You really should have to pay attention, and it's okay if you have to take notes. Mm-hmm. And you know, it it makes for a better reading experience, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. I love Six of Crows. It's one of my favorites ever. But, you know, this is a little different. 
It's not a lot of action on the page. Yeah, but it, it is a lot of... Um, you feel like you're reading a, a real person, which is yeah. something that I always look for in YA, and sadly I don't get a lot. Mm-hmm. Her book's not included in that, but um, yeah, so, all right. People can suck it. Yeah. <laughs> People can suck it. Um, okay, so also in this first, um, the prologue in these first five chapters, obviously we get um, we get a lot of setup of our two main characters, and that is Alex Galaxy Stern and Daniel Arlington, also known as Darlington. So we will refer to Alex as Alex, and we will mm-hmm. refer to him as Darlington. Um, anything you want to say to kick us off about the two of them? Um... Well, they're they're alike more than they are not alike. Mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much I like both of them. I, don't know I do how too. Much I want to. We're just gonna go. Start with one. Do the other. Sure. Okay. Well, let's start with Alex. Yeah. I think the fact that when we first meet her, her name is Alex, and of course, you automatically think her name is Alexandria, but it's Galaxy, and that mm-hmm. right there is like, oh, her mom named her something interesting which it kind of that's her background as her mom is a little bit of a hippie or boho or so even her name Mm -hmm. is like character development right there she didn't even have to do anything but give her a weird name so I like that about her another thing I noticed about Alex is that she is a good liar yeah which makes her an unreliable narrator. 100% so we do not know what really happened in that hotel room or that house they're at um, I don't know if she's telling me the truth mm-hmm. or whoever else the truth. She's hiding. And I, I, I noticed that, so this is, I, I had previously read up to page like 230, so this is technically my reread of this beginning section. And I noticed that the memories that she has of Helly and Len, that she seems to subconsciously be combining two different experiences into one. So... Each time she goes to a flashback, it's usually about the murder scene. It's usually about that day when she wakes up and Helly is, like, dead and blah, blah, blah. But then I noticed today, as I was reading, there's another scene where, like, Len and some other guy, Betcha, are, like, carrying her up the stairs. And I thought Helly was dead. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a different memory. There's no context. No. And I love that. She just jumps right into the memory. And you're like, oh, that's right. She did have a whole life with these people. Yeah, she did. And it seemed to obviously be a stressful one, one that was not very good for her. They were drug users. God knows what else was going on. We don't know yet. Um, and, yeah, that makes me question her quite a bit. There are so many layers of protection that this girl has put in front of her that... I don't even know if we're going to get peeled back in this book. Yeah. You know, I know Lee does a lot of duologies. Not um, a lot, but... Well, as someone who has finished the book, you, you do learn... You're going to learn something. A lot yeah. About her. But there's a there's a ton here. And, like, as I don't remember much of the relationship that she actually has with her mom. Like, where is her mom through all of this? I thought her she's, parents were dead. No, she's around because she has to... She's At one point, she's, like, taking pictures of the yeah. campus... Which just tells her mom that she's alive. Her mom's in California. Yeah. Um, but yeah, her mom didn't believe that she was going to Yale. I mean, it doesn't really seem like her mom believes in her, or really, maybe not believes in her, but she does mention that her mom is like, 
you you said hippie like she doesn't want to be part of the machine so I'm pretty sure she views like obviously Yale and like mm-hmm. traditional I, uh, Ivy League college education as the man mm-hmm. so she's like what is my daughter doing there so that's obviously a strange relationship yeah. um along the lines of Alex we know that she is and like this is things that Lee Bardugo does she drops like little stuff in there so we know she's Hispanic because her mother is like, I don't know your father. Is he's Puerto Rican or Guatemalan or Dominican? She didn't know. But we give his sun sign, his moon sign, and his rising sign. Bitch knew that, but she didn't know his ethnicity. <laughs> Ooh, I thought that was so funny. Um, when we first meet Alex, she's like eating and eating and eating. Oops, sorry. And food is mentioned quite yeah. a bit throughout this book. So you do learn that she is she. She doesn't. She didn't come by food very often. She has when a she gets relationship it, with food. Yeah. yeah. When she gets it, she's like, "It's free. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm eating it." And she's like, "My face lights up at yeah. the cafeteria." Um, so just like I like how Bardugo kind of like the first chapter, you meet this girl and you're like, "Why is she eating like a yeah. psychopath?" Well, she didn't always get to eat when she was not. Yeah in a good place so and the story of her mom like selling Herbalife and like how that's what she survived on for weeks at school it's like where were the teachers noticing that you were just coming to school with these packets of non non non-real food pudding like come Mm -hmm. on like I love books that portray how either the system or adults have failed teens I find that very interesting or just young people in general since technically this is an adult book but yeah and she would have been you know younger at the time Mm -hmm. anyway um, so you were talking about Elise, talking about how she's straddling, like, three mm, yes. different lives yeah. here. Um, you want to Yeah, expand? so, I said, this, you know, this feeds into her being an unreliable narrator, mostly because she's a liar, but she is very much existing in three different realities. Um, she's got the Yale reality, where she's got to play along as the Yale student, because the dean and members of Leith have basically had to create this fake persona for her um, in order to make her a passable Yale candidate. Um, There is the Leith Alex that she has to be, where she acts as the Dante, or the supervisor, if you will, of the rituals of these secret societies. And then there's the past. So the, the I guess I was going to say the real Alex, but like maybe that's not even the real Alex. Um, but the Alex that existed before she was headhunted basically by the Yale people, as yeah. it were. Um, and it's very interesting how they are both, they, the three of them are diametrically opposed, but at the same time they feed into one another. And yeah, yeah. It's interesting how, and I mean, I guess it's not so interesting, but she's had this really rough life, and she's like, okay, now I got my second chance, and I have my second chance to, you know, be at this great school, I can change my life around, and when she... But I don't even know that she's viewing it that way, because when she has her conversation with Bellbaum, she's kind of like... Well, she's like, a great start, this is my chance at a new start. But I'm not convinced that that's what she wants. Because she's still very ambivalent about it. She looks around at all of these superficial details I don't think in she, Bellbaum's office. But I don't think she thinks that she belongs there. Right. So I, I just... So I think she's, like, holding that at arm's yeah. length of, like, yeah, she I'd like this, but I don't deserve from her office, it. like, on Inspired. this high... And you know mm-hmm. what? I Every time you read a book, 
where and this is actually interesting because usually this climax where this character is on a high and you know you know it's gonna murk, murk, right she put it in chapter four well and that's what i'm saying i'm picking up on something from that chapter that is like proceed with caution here yeah this isn't gonna you work know out it's her. gonna go bad and i i interpret it to be is like does she want this I think she does. She's like, oh, my mom's not going to be happy, but what's it going to be like being the summer? I can catch up on everything. I can get it all right. You she's know, never she's known like that kind of Making piece. plans. She doesn't know. know how to exist in that space. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So this chapter, I don't know how she did that, but it was very clear that this was like, not a warning, but like foreshadowing about something. Well, I mean, you know it's bad because in the prologue, she's wounded. Well, sure. You know, so something yeah, bad's true. happened. Darlington is gone. We don't Regardless. know where he is. The prologue is like two pages, but you're still like. But I mean, it's spring. We're we're spring, and it's almost summer. And her, it is not going the way right. she's hoping it to go for summer with this lady. Yeah, yeah. And you're rooting for her too. You're I like, no, oh, come on, you can do it. Yeah, that's what makes this book so intense. You're like, is this gonna end how I want it to? Because Bardugo does not take the traditional endings. No, she doesn't. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Arms are flapping. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about, uh, Alex and Tara. Okay. Tara is the girl that was murdered on campus mm-hmm. or dumped on campus. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And Helly, which was her best friend that died in this. Were they in a hotel or were they in a house? They were in an apartment, I think. Apartment. Okay. I don't she, remember. She, she's getting hung up, not hung up, but she's like, okay, I owe it to Helly to find out about Tara and she calls Tara is a townie she's not a student and so because she's town she's an other Mm -hmm. and Alex is also an other Mm -hmm. and so she kind of feels compelled to find out what happened to this girl and as someone who has read the book there are people who are like why is she hung up on this Tara girl oh I'm so sick of it well Tara represents Mm Helly and Helly was really important to her Mm -hmm. so that's why she's hung up on Tara Mm -hmm. um Wait, people, reviewers? Yeah. Oh my god. They think it's a slow part of the book and like, oh my god, why is she not? Well, because. I'm sorry. (laughs) So, Helly is a tragic character. Um, When you get there, you're going to find out it's going to be so sad. (laughs) That whole situation is just. Yeah. Um, Helly. So, Helly and, and, and Tara are, you know, this is her redemption moment. So what did you think about Helly? She mentions her often. She's like, blonde girls remind me of her. And I don't know. It's just the setup. You know it's going to be devastating. Just the little details that she provides about Helly to kind of clue you into the kind of person. Like, not even the kind of person that she is, but she makes up. She's obsessed with her feet for some reason. She mentions it twice, how Helly was this gorgeous, blonde, sun-kissed girl, except for her feet. Her feet were wide, they had calluses all over them, and then she remembers, and this is why I thought she was talking about the murder, because she remembers those, like, pink jelly shoes mm-hmm. that girls used to wear, um, and how it, like, fell off her foot, and it was something just very tragic about this girl. But that's really all we know. Yeah. Somehow she and Alex got hooked up with this Len guy and Betcha, and that's still I think Len is her boyfriend. Len was her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Bad dude. Bad, bad mofo. And, and the person who supposedly killed Tara was the boyfriend. And Len was yeah. also a, a dealer and he used her to traffic his drugs. And mm-hmm. it's just like coming full circle for her. So it's like, yeah, she's got to deal with all that. 
Yeah. Anything else about Alex? Not at this point in time. Just she's just very intuitive individual. I like that she. Um. I don't know. She sees Yale for what it is, but does want to be stable. Mm -hmm. Speaking of seeing Yale for what it is, Darlington. Darlington is also another dynamic character, mm -hmm. though, because on the surface, he's got it put together. You know, he comes across as entitled and wealthy, but he's not wealthy. He's yeah. poor. Yeah. He's just he's just perpetrating as this person that goes to Yale. Um, Much like her. Yeah. He seems to want to be perfect. He's like, I gotta be perfect. And when he finds out that this other can do something he can't he does not like yeah, that at he's all. bothered very bothered by that which i found interesting yes indeed he reminds me a lot of future gansey i could see that. i'm getting massive gansey vibes from this guy in fact i'm imagining them like almost the same in my mind i didn't even mean to do that but um just this like obsessed with knowledge and information and completing this goal with like mind like what's the word I'm looking for just single-minded determination and yet their their backstory and their past is very complicated Gansey obviously does have wealth but we're not talking about him <laughs> um yeah Darlington he's interesting I don't remember him being poor though he says that he had to do something to pay the bills in his house he had to sell something or do something. Mm, I missed um, that. Yeah. So, okay. um, he, so we don't know where his parents are, but he was raised by his grandfather, who he respects. But his grandfather seemed like he was a no-nonsense type and of guy. he's Daniel Arlington the third, right? The second? The third? I honestly don't know. I think he's one of those he's Roman numerals. <laughs> well, his grandfather had this huge house. Like, mm -hmm. it was, took blocks. And, and he got into Yale somehow. Yeah. Which... I don't remember if we know at this point no, in time in the book. we don't. Um, okay. So all I really know about him is, at least I got the sense that he wasn't wealthy. I can't remember what page it's on. I'm reading on a Kindle, so I don't remember what page it's on, where he talked about how he had to sell something to mm -hmm. keep the lights on. Okay. Um, we know he's a perfectionist, like you said. He wants to um, know everything and how to do everything. He also kind of thumbs his nose up at people. He's a bit of a snob. He is. But he acknowledges his snobbery. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's this one point where um, he's he's initiating Alex, and, you know, he's starting her with the lowest house, which is Aurelian, and he's, he's like, there's going to be blood at this ritual. I hope you're not squeamish. And then the second he says that, he's like, oh, shit, I'm an asshole. Of course she's not. She has seen actual trauma and horror and not this, like, clean, controlled environment that I see blood in like mm -hmm. he, he does acknowledge when his like privilege or assholishness comes out of his mouth before he has a second to think but um he's short-sighted too a little bit um I like that Alex is constantly pointing out that he's asking the wrong questions and I obviously think that that has something major to do with his disappearance um so he asks her like when did you first see them and she's like mm, that's that's not the right question. It's like, yeah, when did you first learn to be afraid of them is what you should have what you should have asked me. We haven't really gotten into all of that in this section of chapters though. Yeah. So we'll we'll circle back around to that, but um 
you know, I, I like Darlington. He's a, he's a very interesting character because of... I like people who know things, and so Darlington is interesting to read about because he knows everything. Like, he's fluent in Latin, I'm sure, and he's got all the details about Hiram Bingham and his trips to Peru and just all of the... He's, he's a perfect Virgil. He, like, is... He's got all that info for her. And as the reader, it's fun and interesting to read. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're being initiated as well. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also a facade. Yep. Um, and a, yeah. chapter chapter four at the very end, he's talking about how the moths took away her her tattoos. And like her face just kind of lit up because she's never seen magic. And, and how... Um, what did he say? What magic did, it revealed the heart of who you've been before life took away your belief in the possible. And he says, it gave back the world all lonely children longed for. And mm-hmm. that's what it did for that's him. That's what I was, yeah. That's what he I was, was a lonely child. Mm-hmm. So he's got some Abandoned serious issues. issues. And he's, but he's created this Darlington character that, and that also makes him an unreliable narrator. Because we don't know anything about him either. Yeah. Not the real stuff, we just know what he's telling us mm-hmm. so far. I'm looking forward to seeing their facades bite them in the ass. Yeah, (laughs) most definitely. Um, that's really, well, I guess we could talk about, like, the world. Um, there is a fair amount of info dumping where he's kind of, like, walking her around campus and he is kind of just, like, dropping all of the facts in one or two pages. Yeah. I had to, the, the map in the book was not adequate for me. So I was like, let me see, this is Yale. I'm pretty sure they have some kind of interactive map bullshit on their website, which of course they did. So if, if you, you know, want to go back and peruse that map, literally just Google Yale map, it comes right up. You can click on the buildings, you can see pictures of them, you can see what goes on inside the buildings, or read about what goes on inside the buildings. That helps me much like, the first time I read this through, I'm like, there's too much. Mm-hmm. I was, like, I was not in a mind space where I wanted to sit and really absorb everything. So the map helped me. Um, but the campus, you know, I mean, it, it. she is doing a good job of communicating this sort of, like, otherworldly feel that New Haven and Yale have about them. Um, I can't really express why. I mean, because uh, she's like, oh, there's a ghost standing over there. So, like, obviously, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, uh have a ton to say about the world building other than it was a lot to absorb in the first couple chapters. Yeah, it was. It's a little confusing about all the houses and I mean, you probably don't need to know all the houses specialties, but you do need to know why they exist and how they came into existence. Yeah. So, you know, but I mean, I can forgive info dumping if everything else is great. (laughs) It didn't bother me that she just I just really had I had to read it like three times though just to just to yeah. kind of orientate myself to this campus right. and the whole backstory of all these houses mm-hmm. and and one thing I do want to mention is that in our last read along with the universe one of our our biggest gripe was that we did the beautiful by Renee Adier and our biggest gripe was that there was no central plot she just had all these other random stuff and what makes a good book is what this book is is there is a plot and the plot is basically mm-hmm. the Leith's house is um what is it it's the monitor yeah of all of the other eight they houses. monitor all of Yale's secret societies and they're trying to unravel 
the mysteries that lay beyond the veil. That's it. That's the whole plot. But at the same time, we have a murder going on over here. We have Alice's backstory. Darlington almost killed Gansey. Darlington has disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the plot. Yep. Summed up in a sentence. Yeah. As grounding the story. And then she has all these other stuff going on. That is how you should write a book. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, someone who's never written a book. But that's here. No, but you can tell when it fits and when it doesn't fit. Yeah. And it fits here. Yeah. I don't have anything else. Um, I don't either. No. Just that it's great, and we're looking forward to reading more. Yeah. I snorted. <laughs> <laughs> and Already I can see there. it right there on the, uh, yikes. So next time, which chapters are we reading? Six we're, through eleven. Yes. Okay. So hopefully you are enjoying it as well. Or maybe you are ambivalent and you're listening to the podcast to get a different perspective. If so, welcome. Mm-hmm. I hope you are getting that. Um, thank you for joining us, and we will catch you next Thursday when we read chapter 6 and 11.